Okay, welcome ladies and gentlemen to the We're Having a Good Time podcast. My name is Dusty Slay. I'm your host. We're here again for another great episode of, uh, you know, of having a good time. Because that's what it's really all about, is having a good time. And, you know, no matter what we're going through. So let's get into it, you know. I, um... You know, want to first start out with uh, my where we've been, where we're going episode because or segment because I told you last week that I was going to Cleveland. And I am sorry to report that I had to cancel that weekend because I don't feel well. And it's weird about how I feel because right now I feel good. My energy levels are good. I feel uh, healthy. I feel strong. But, you know. Just yesterday, I was in a good amount of pain and uh, all stomach-related stuff. I went back to the doctor on Saturday, got an ultrasound done yesterday, and just a lot going on. So it's all getting worked out, but I uh, am able to, you know, sit in a chair and talk just fine today. Uh, I don't know if yesterday I would have been able to do this as well especially not two days ago, especially not Saturday. But uh, I am okay, but I'm not at a place where I feel good about traveling right now. I don't um, really feel good about, um, you know, going to, uh, going to a whole other state, flying there, trusting where my health is at. I see the GI doctor next week. Uh, so I, I'm hoping they'll give me some answers and I, uh, apologize, uh, to anyone that was coming to see me in Cleveland. I am in the process of rescheduling that my gig got canceled last year in Cleveland because of the pandemic. And now this year, because of my own pandemic in my stomach. So, uh, I'm looking forward to coming back soon. Um, and yeah, I mean, so I just shout out, I mean, I love Ohio Anybody who's listened to this podcast knows that I love Ohio. I mean, I met some of the best people in Ohio. I have some of the best shows. I really enjoyed Dayton when I was there at the Funny Bone. I, I like the Columbus Funny Bone. I like uh, the Cincinnati Funny Bone, uh, Toledo Funny Bone. I've done Go Bananas in the past. I really enjoyed that. I like the old Cincinnati Funny Bone, too. I had a good time there in uh, Newport, Kentucky. And I like coming to Cleveland. Hilarities is one of my favorite clubs. And I'm bummed that I will miss it again. But what do you do, you know? And just so you know about my health, I mean, who knows what's going on? But we are getting it worked out. I have, you know, been talking to the doctors. I've been on it. They know what's happening. I've been going to Vanderbilt. They're supposed to be the best. So uh, it's going to be fine. I trust that it's going to be fine. I don't, you know... Uh, yeah, I mean, I have faith. I mean, I don't like this. I don't like the way that I feel, but I also feel like there must be some kind of learning experience that's going to come out of it. Uh, I am having great conversation with my dad because my dad goes to the hospital a good bit for various things. He had bladder cancer. Uh, he has a pacemaker. 
So my dad goes, he had, he had torn retinas in his eyes. He had, so my dad goes to the hospital. So now it's one more thing for me and my dad to talk about. We can complain about the hospital. We can talk about nurses. My mom worked in the hospital for a long time. So I can talk to my mom about it. Uh, now I know what people go through when they go to the hospital. Uh, I had a nurse tell me the other day that she got her second dose of the COVID vaccine and it rocked her. She was, this is not anything, I'm not speaking out against anything, and neither was she. She was just saying she got the second dose and it rocked her. And uh, so I just learned things as I'm going in talking to people. So I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying it, you know, I'm uh, spending a good bit of money. Uh, that's not a lot of fun, but, um, you know, we're going to come out on the other end uh, more knowledgeable, and I'm excited about it, and I'm I'm going to be healed in the end. We're going to be healed, and it's exciting, but it's not going as fast as I would like it to go. I did not want to cancel this weekend. I did not want to do it. I mean, one of the reasons is it was kind of last minute because I kept thinking. I mean, I was just watching the podcast from last week because I was trying to edit some videos where I was talking about how I see no reason why I wouldn't be going to Cleveland. And at that time, I didn't see any reason why. But there's certain things that I eat that mess up my stomach, you know, and it's like that is uh, it's bad right now. In the past, it was like, oh, I got some heartburn. But now it's a whole other level of stuff. So but, you know, and I, I, I put the positive spin on there because, you know, we're having a good time here and I. You know, I'm not trying to get on here and be like, oh, I'm so, I'm so sick, right? Because I'm not so sick on one hand. Like, I can sit around the house just fine. But going out and doing things, I mean, yesterday, walking was, was, was kind of painful. So, still not as bad as when I went to the hospital. But, you know, I, I don't want to go from sitting on the house, fly up to Cleveland, hang out in my hotel for a little bit and then go perform on stage for an hour and go, wow, I can't do this and then have to cancel on the spot. So, but when I come back, I'm coming back strong. I'm coming back. I'm coming back hard at it because since November, I've been doing comedy in pain. So I'm ready to come back at it painless. Okay. So that being said, we're out of that segment. I'm supposed to go, and, and I, I'm just going to stick to it. And, I, oh, oh, I also had to cancel my Zany show next week. Um, we're just worried about it, but right now I'm going to Kansas City. Kansas City Improv. I got no reason to believe I won't be going there. Unless there's some serious turn in health, I'm going there because I'm ready to do comedy. I'm ready to do it. I'm ready to get at it. So I had to cancel this Annie show too. Sorry about that. It's all health related. Uh, so if you bought tickets, they're going to move you to the March show. The March show will be great. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to come at it heavy, hard. Uh, we're just going to be having a good time like never before. And I feel great about that. And this last week, I told all about wrecks. I talked about all the wrecks that I had had in my life, car accidents, and I left one out. So I wanted to include that one. I, and I don't know the year of this. I would think this was 2010, 2011. I bet 2011. Because I was pretty heavy. I, I, I got a picture of myself. I was pretty fat. And this could have, yeah, this is probably 2011. And I was drinking heavy. 
And me and my friend Derek Humphrey decided that we were going to take a month off of drinking. We both said, hey, we're going to do a month of no drinking. And we were on it. I had done this previously. I used to do this throughout my drinking. I would say, oh, I'm going to take a month off just to, you know, kind of clear the system. I used to, when I was drinking, I would drink, you know, six or seven days a week. But I always wanted to take a sober day. That was important to me during that time. Because if I was drinking every day of the week, now I'm like really in a habit, right? So I always wanted to take a day and and just, uh, you know, kind of, you know, be sober. Let my body kind of catch up to what's going on. You know, that kind of living is probably why I'm in the situation with my stomach right now. Uh, so one time I got beat up, right? I talked about this a little bit. I got beat up out drinking. And when my friend picked me up, I had swollen eyes, black eyes. And they weren't black yet, but they were swollen shut. I could barely see. And my friend was like, he was so mad. And I was like, I, I, I remember, he remembers it too, me having this attitude of, hey, you know, I had this coming <laughs> because I did used to, I was always like, Especially back in this day, I was drinking heavy and I was always running my mouth and I just had no fear. I would just talk trash to anyone and I had a pretty good success rate of it. So when I finally got beat up, now granted, I got beat up by a couple of people at the same time. So I'm not, I'm not taking it and I was super wasted. Uh, but I, I felt like I was like, oh no, that, I deserve this. I had this coming. And I almost feel like that about my stomach right now. It's like, how do you eat and live like I have for so long and not have some kind of consequences? So I, I just feel like my stomach is catching up with me. So I just got to get it cleared up and we're going to be all good. So me and my friend Derek were taking a month off drinking. And I had started hanging out with... Uh, that I, there was a guy I went to high school with. His name was Jason. I'm not going to say his last name. doesn't matter. I'm not going to trash talk him. But we went to high school together. We weren't great friends in high school. And I feel like it's always weird when you say something like that, right? You say, oh, we weren't friends in high school. And it, it, it makes it seem like you were enemies or something. It's like, no, I mean, we were acquaintances, but we just weren't really friends in high school. But he moved to Charleston with his parents. And... So we started hanging out, but I also, you know, I kind of bonded with his parents a little bit and then his sister. His sister and I ended up being friends too. And they lived out on Daniel Island, somewhere around there outside of Charleston. And we used to go there all the time and I would just drink with them and party with them and it was a good time. So they had come to a comedy show and they wanted to hire me to do comedy at their birthday. And I didn't want to do it. But I didn't get hired a lot at the time, so I was like, you know what, I will do it. And it, But it happened to fall under, and they loved to drink with me, and it happened to fall under this uh, time of me not drinking for a month. So I was like, I'll come do the gig, but I'm not drinking. So on my way out there in my Dodge Avenger, I'm cruising along, and it's raining. It's just storming. I'm trying to figure out where the party's at. I'm texting. I'm at a stoplight and I go to take a left turn and the other car's coming and they can't stop and we slide and we hit each other. I'm completely sober. I've been sober for two weeks. We hit each other. They had a very nice car. 
I have to stand out in the rain. I get soaked waiting on people to come and show up and take care of this thing. And then I finally get to the party, and now I've had a wreck, and I'm soaked, and I'm sober, and I'm supposed to do comedy. So I broke the two weeks, and I just started drinking. And I have a picture of me and Carmen side by side. We're both, uh, well, I especially look rough. She says we were both not looking our best, but I, I especially looked rough. If I can find that picture, I'll include it on a video if I make one about this. Oh, I'm also wearing a hat here, uh, a Kmart hat. And it was sent to me by Mike Muttersbaugh. I apologize if I'm pronouncing that wrong. Mike Muttersbaugh from O'Fallon, Missouri. He found this hat and he sent it to me. And I appreciate that. Uh, if you guys want to send me hats, I have a P.O. box. You don't, don't feel like you have to, but if you got a hat and you want to send it, send it on. My uh, P.O. box is uh, P.O. Box 8146, Hermitage, Tennessee, 37076. P.O. Box 8146, Hermitage, Tennessee, three. 7076. Send that along if you'd like. Now, I'm the worst about doing videos and thanking people the way I should. I'm not awful about thanking people in person, but having to make a video, I'm the worst about it. I know it's simple, but I am the worst about it. Um, Corey's Bagels. They sent me some bagel chips and some bagels. They were delicious. Loved them. I recommend them. If you're in Chicago, do it. Okay, so that's that story about wrecking. And uh, I've talked for a long time about uh, my health. And now I'm just going to try to tell some early trailer park stories. Some stuff that I've tried to tell as stand-up before and uh, never really worked out. But I'm just going to tell some stories and just see if those are entertaining, see if you enjoy those. And, uh, yeah, then we'll go from there. I mean, I, I'm not doing comedy, so there's not a ton of comedy to talk about. But I still enjoy uh, just getting on here, riffing a bit, talking. Oh, my wife has also started a podcast called the I Got Dumped podcast. And her and her friend Ashley Corby, who's also my friend, and they're putting a lot of work into it, and it it's, uh, seems like it's rocking. So if you don't have enough podcasts in your life, check that one out too. Don't trade in me for them, but, uh, you know, Hannah, who used to host the podcast with me, now is doing her own thing. So, um, when I was, you know, I was a little kid, I grew up, you know, I had divorced parents, and my dad lived on a farm, and my mom moved to this trailer park near where she used to work, and she used to work at a place called Ampex, and Ampex made VHS tapes. They made the tape inside for VHS tapes. I think they might have been the only place in the country that did this at the time. Uh, my mom worked there for years uh, with many other people. It was factory work. She worked third shift. But they all, you know, she was telling me not too long ago, they all thought that they would retire from there. They thought this was their job for life. They were all going to do this and retire from there. And it was really a shock and disappointment that – that place closed down. And, you know, they got to be still making tapes somewhere because you can still find them for sale. But 
before before so this job she was working there when she got divorced from my dad and uh this trailer park was close to where she worked she made good money but she um had me and my two older sisters and me and my my older sisters have a different dad than me so she had a lot going on so she moved to a two-bedroom one bath trailer with me and my two sisters and uh this is the early 80s probably 84 85 and we moved there and so i grew up you know in this trailer park and uh, at the ends of a trailer a lot of times is the hitch that's still left the metal hitch is coming off the trailer and we had a little flower bed around it but it had this little slot where you could like I don't know. I don't know what the slot was for, but we had a lot of sand in the yard. Our front yard was all sand. We could almost never get grass to grow there. There was grass everywhere else in the trailer park, but our front yard was mostly sand. And we tried to grow grass at various times, but it never really worked out. And you could, in this slot, as a kid, I remember we could pour sand through the slot on the hitch. I don't know if it makes a lot of sense unless you've lived in a trailer or grew up around one. You may know what this is. And then it would have a little crank on the top. And we would go out there and pretend like we were making coffee. We would pretend like we worked at a coffee shop. Uh, we were way ahead of our time, I guess. I guess my mom used to grind the coffee when she would go to the grocery store. Because back in the day, I think you could do that all the time. Now it just seems like you only do it at Trader Joe's. But back in the day, I guess you could do it all the time. I remember doing it at whatever grocery store we had. Piggly Wiggly, Winn-Dixie, I don't know. I don't remember what was all around back then. Kroger was probably around. And me and my friend, Nikki, Nikki was my next-door neighbor. Nikki's parents used to babysit me. They used to babysit me and uh, some other friends that I knew named uh, Dodie and Brian Renfro. I don't know if they want me telling their full name, but I'm not trash-talking them. But we... Um, all got babysit together and me and Nikki were friends and I remember one day and I'm not going to say her last name to be honest I don't even remember her last name but her parents always had this tray under the couch and they would take the tray out and they would roll their own cigarettes and maybe you know as a kid you know I guess everybody was smoking back in the 80s so it didn't really matter and they could have been rolling their own cigarettes they very well could have or it could have been weed and i just didn't know what weed was back in those days either way it doesn't matter i like to think it was weed it makes the trailer park and my childhood seem cooler if it was weed uh if it were cigarettes it just means they were broke <laughs> you know they they were broke anyway but 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 if you're living in a trailer and rolling your own cigarettes you're struggling you know so that was my next door trailer in the trailer park. And I remember, you know, we were out there, me and Nikki one day were out there grinding some coffee beans, just hanging out. And then Nikki squats down. She's standing up. She squats down and through her pants, just pees. I mean, we're little kids, five, six. And she just pees. I see the pee coming through her pants. And then she goes, hold on a minute, and then runs inside and changes clothes and comes back out. And I just remember thinking, man, you got that all wrong, Nikki. Had you just ran inside, you wouldn't have had to change clothes. 
And then, so as time goes on, my Nick, as I get a little older, I'm probably in elementary school. Nikki's family has moved out. And now my sister and her husband and, and, and her stepkids, they move in to that trailer that Nikki's family used to live in. So for a while, we had a thing going where it was me and my mom and one sister and her boyfriend and then uh, my other sister, her husband, and their kids in the trailer. And then we had all the space in between. So we had like our own little courtyard right there in the trailer park. And then we had a shed in the middle. For a while, we had a big pile of dirt. Uh, you know, my, my brother-in-law drove a dump truck on and off. And so if we needed some dirt, he'd just come by, drop it off. We had, I remember we had a whole like a bunch of wood out there at one point. I mean, we had it all. Anything you need, we had. We had a shed that my brother-in-law had a bunch of, you know, a bunch of like playboys out there in the shed. It was a lot of fun. And my mom worked third shift at Ampex, you know. Uh, Ampex later was Quantigy, but she worked third shift. So she would leave every night about 1030 and come home about 7, something like that. And so I would always try to be asleep before she left in hopes that I would just sleep through the whole night and not have to be afraid. Uh, because, you know, it's probably too old to be afraid, but also I get freaked out by stuff. I don't think the nighttime is natural. I don't even think, I think we're supposed to go to sleep when the sun goes down. I think we're supposed to wake up at sunrise. The night, people are like, oh, you're afraid of the dark. We're all afraid of the dark, you know, unless you're a psychopath, right? I'm not afraid of the dark, but... The nighttime, it gets eerie out there, especially when you're a little kid sleeping alone in a trailer park. So one night, and I don't know if you remember the collect calls it used to get, you would say, um, you would answer the phone and you'd say, this is AT&T with a collect call from, and then you leave your voicemail. So it'd be like, you know, if I'm calling my mom, it'd be like, she answers and it goes, this is AT&T with a collect call from, Dusty, your son, you know, something like that. But this guy, I guess, was prank calling me. And so I pick up the phone and it says, you have an AT&T collect call from I know where you live. You're dead. And I freaked out, right? I freaked out. I jumped up in my underwear and I ran to my sister's house and started banging on the door. And I told them what happened. They let me in and I slept there. And, uh, and then the next day we called the police and we tried to make a report on this because they had left a, a voicemail, but this is where you had one of those call in voicemails. So, you know, with the collect call and the answer, so the answer machine would pick up and when it picked up, that's when the, the collect call thing started. So it'd be like, you have reached Edna's, you know, you've reached Edna's house. And as it starts Edna's house, it would say, you have an AT&T collect call. So that would go. So by the time the beep comes, we're way into the message. So it, it hits beep, and all I hear is your titties. And then, it, and then it hangs up, right? So I don't know what's going on. I guess the guy looked in the phone book, saw that it was a woman, and just started prank calling. Or it was an ex-boyfriend that was real mad at her. I don't know. But the cops couldn't do anything about it. So I stayed at my sister's house for a while 
And prior to that, I think prior to this incident, I had been staying with an old couple, Mr. and Mrs. Eason. I think I've talked about this before, uh, but it's been a while. I, I was staying with Mr. and Mrs. Eason. They were the nicest couple. They could not have been nicer. And I would sleep on their couch, you know, while my mom was at work. And then I'd, you know, go to school the next day. But I don't, I don't know if this happened or if I dreamed it. But one night, I woke up in the middle of the night and I looked up and I saw Mr. Eason going in. He was in the kitchen and he was just getting something out of the cabinet. Very reasonable. Makes total sense. It's his house. He could have been thirsty. But then I look at the nightstand and there's Miss Eason sitting with her arm propped and her head on her arm as propped on a table, her head on her head on her hand, just looking at me sleep. Now, she was a sweet old lady. So there's a chance she just was like, oh, look at him sleeping. He's just a cutie, and maybe she did it for 30 seconds, and I happened to see her during that time. But I woke up, saw Mr. Eason, and then Miss Eason just staring at me, and I said, I am not staying there anymore with those creeps. Now, my mom and us, we all was friends with them for a long time. But I was like, what a creep. So... The prank call happened, so I'd stay with Miss Eason for a while, and then I stayed with uh, my sister for a while, but my sister and brother-in-law, they smoked cigarettes inside, so I would smell like cigarettes all the time, so I, I ended up not staying with them anymore, and there was another time that we were, we were trying to grow grass in that sand. The sand was great when me and my friends, you know, were, were little kids, real little kids, like, I used to play with, like, there was a guy named James. James was my best friend forever in the trailer trailer park. And then there was Brandon and Greg. And the four of us were friends for a long time. I have a great picture of a Polaroid. I've shared that on my Instagram in the past. But I have a great picture that I love of the four of us and Brandon and Greg's granddad. And the four of us used to just play all the time. We would play G.I. Joe's. We had, I had every G.I. Joe. I remember buying a Sergeant Slaughter tank from Greg for $10 with a roll of quarters. And and we used to just, we would fight all the time too. We just play all the time. So in our, in our yard was all sand. And when I was growing up, that's when the desert storm war was going on. So, you know, we had all, I had all these tanks and airplanes that were desert storm toys. So it was like, it was perfect. Our sand-filled yard, we would build little bunkers all over the place. We could build roads all over it. It was great. But as I got a little older and moved out of the toys, we started trying to grow grass in there. So one time, James's, I think it's James's nephew, his name was Ricky, and he was a little kid. And Ricky, I hope Ricky has really turned out well, but Ricky was not that bright of a kid. And one time... We were trying to grow grass, so we had the grass roped off so people wouldn't walk in it because we were really trying to get that grass going. And my brother-in-law, he was standing out on the front porch, and he saw Ricky coming up, and he goes, Ricky, don't walk on the grass. Don't walk on the grass. And then Ricky goes, but I can hop. And then he starts hopping all the way across the yard. 
And, you know, that was James's nephew. And, and then uh, James had another nephew who was my age. James was one year older than me. And then he had a nephew that was my age named Kenneth. And Kenneth, uh, I know, was a listener of the podcast, and we're still friends. I'm still friends with all of these guys, actually. I was just texting with Greg the other day. Um, but Kenneth was very stocky, and he was a uh, very muscular kid. He really roughed us all up. Anytime, it's like, it was like all less fun. All sports were less fun with Kenneth because Kenneth was bigger and stronger than everyone. And he had a stepbrother named Luke who was also bigger and stronger than everyone. He had a stepsister named Amanda too. Like she was bigger than us too, but she was just older mainly. And, you know, they would just rough us all up. And I, But me and Kenneth were friends. And I remember um, I got some boxing gloves for Christmas. My mom bought me two sets of boxing gloves. And I didn't know anything about boxing gloves. I'm sure she didn't know anything about boxing gloves. And me and James used to put them on because we were the same size. and We'd box each other around. That was a lot of fun. But I tried it one time with Kenneth. And Kenneth punched me like a right hook in the jaw. And I don't think my jaw has been the same since. It was very sore. He probably knocked it out of socket. And it's not been the same ever since. And... James's mom was, we always, I mean, not James's mom, uh, Kenneth's mom, we always thought Kenneth's mom was very attractive. And I, and, you know, I mean, she, and she lived next door to me, not where, not where my sister lived, but on the other side, she lived next door to us. And she had a boyfriend, he was in a band, super cool, we played a lot of video games. I'd love to go over there and play video games with that guy. Um, but one time we heard, um, you know, we had a little action going on in the trailer. Me, me and my friend Costa were outside, and we're reaching puberty age. You know, we're, we're, we're well into puberty age, and we're interested in stuff. And the internet didn't exist back then. So we had a little action going on in the trailer next door, and we were all creeping, just trying to listen. But my mom was outside raking some leaves, and she put a stop to that pretty quick. She was like, get away from there. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. I mean, and me and James... You know, we grew up together, and we just used to play all the time. And there was this girls named Mandy and Becky that lived at the end of the street. Now, Mandy and Becky, I don't know where they're at. I have no idea. But they were always a bit of a hefty crew. And then there was another girl named Mandy who was their friend, and she was always over. And apparently, Mandy had a lot of stepsisters. And... So when Mandy and Becky and the other Mandy were together and then all the stepsisters were around, they were like a gang. It was like a gang of women bullying us around. I remember they tore down my clubhouse one time. I had, my dad used to come pick me up every other Sunday and take me out to lunch, either to a Western Sizzling, Captain D's. Uh, well, those are a Shoney's. Those were our main spots. Western Sizzling, Captain D's, or a Shoney's. I remember hitting those up quite a bit. And then he would take me to Walmart, we would walk around for a while, and he'd buy me a G.I. Joe, and then I'd go home. Well, me and James had built this great clubhouse, and I wanted to show my dad. So one day he drops me off of the house, and I take him in the backyard to show me the clubhouse, and it's torn completely down. Not one board, not one plank is standing. That thing is tore completely down. 
And I find out that it's Mandy and Becky and Mandy and the stepsisters. This gang of women abusing us. So they're all on their bikes one day, and me and James are pissed. And the driveway in the trailer park was kind of a dirt road, but also a gravel road. So there'd be a lot of that little gravel. And we go out, and we start throwing rocks at these girls. Because we're pissed. I mean, we had a good clubhouse built. We spent a lot of time on it, and now we're pissed. So we're throwing rocks at them. We're hitting them, you know, but they're taking it. They're all tough. They're taking it. And then James throws a rock, and it misses. We're standing on either side of the girls. James throws a rock. It misses all the girls and hits me in the side of the head. And I'm bleeding. I go inside. I'm crying. I'm bleeding. James says one of the girls threw it, but we all knew it wasn't true. I don't think he was trying to lie. Well, he was trying to lie. He just didn't want to get in trouble. We used to throw rocks all the time. I remember this kid, Josh. Josh used to come over. I'm still friends with his family. I haven't talked to Josh in a long time, but he was a wild kid. My sister used to babysit him and his brother and sister. And Josh was over one time, and I don't know what happened, but we got into a fight, and I started throwing rocks at him. I was hitting him in the chest. I was throwing small rocks, but I was hitting him in the chest. I don't, you know, we didn't play around. When we got into fights back in the day, we were fighting. And then I remember Josh had long fingernails, and he scratched my face. He scratched me from uh, uh, the forehead down to the cheek. And then later, I got scratched by a hunting dog. My dad had all these hunting dogs in a pen, and we would have to go down and feed them. You have to go into the pen to feed them. There's so many dogs, and they jumped. Remember one uh, dog scratched me from the below my eye down through my cheek. I got clawed up. But we used to throw rocks all the time. I remember James one time. There used to be an old garage in the trailer park. And it would be open sometimes, sometimes not. But they'd just be working on cars. And it was right next to James's trailer. And one day we were just out there and he was like, you want to throw some rocks at this car? And I was like, yeah. So James throws the first rock, and it breaks a window, and then we take off running. And we used to throw rock. We used to have a slingshot. We would slingshot rocks at glass bottles. And, I mean, we used to, after, after I got a little older, all those G.I. Joes that my dad had bought me over the years, all the G.I. Joes my mom bought me over the years, I'm pretty sure I shot them all with a BB gun. We didn't shoot each other because, as I said before, I've been shot by a BB gun when I was five years old. So I, w- I refused to shoot BB guns at each other until I got to a drinking age. And then once I started drinking, I was shooting people with BB guns. And we also used to go to this place called Big Rock, right? Big Rock, we had a secret place. Now, there was like an old pulp- pulpwood trail you know, if you don't know what that is, that's what we, that's what I've always called it. And that's like where, 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 um, loggers will drive their trucks down this trail to load all the logs up onto the truck and drive them out of there. So it's, it's dug out, you know, it's a decent trail, but it'd still be deep in the woods. And we would go right across the street from the, from the trailer park was the entrance to this trail. And it used to be just a straight-up trail before they started going in and logging it out. Now most of it is completely a subdivision. This whole thing is a subdivision where we used to go. And so when it was just a trail, it was very grown up. And you would go down the trail, I don't know, quarter of a mile 
you could no longer see the road. And there, were, there was this old house. And the old house had a lot of spray paint in it, like graffiti and stuff like that, which we thought it was like a haunted house or like a satanic worship house. And it would freak us out. I mean, we were freaked out by it. Um, but we wouldn't go in there. Now, eventually, over time, we did start going in there. In the daytime, we'd go in there, and we'd mess around in there. We thought we were really up to some stuff. One time, we were going to install some lights. I had this, I had been doing, you know, science class, and I had seen a couple of science projects where they had, you know, a, a clock that was powered by a potato, this clock would just have wires hooked to it, and then the wires would be stabbed into the potato. And I thought, well, sh shoot, man, uh, I guess uh, potatoes give off electricity. So I'm getting into this. So I'm like, I'm going to put some lights up in here, and I'm going to power them with a potato. But I didn't know anything about wiring. So I think I had some speaker wire. Because I had some speaker wire laying around. We were going, you know, I don't know why. but So I took it over to the house. We're all sitting on the roof. It's me and Kenneth and a guy named Squirrel. Squirrel has recently passed away. Uh, that's a shame. But um, it's the three of us. And we're all sitting up there. And we're ready for the big reveal. I tie that wire around the light bulb. And then I tell him, I go, well, this is going to you know, power that, and then I stick it in the potato, and the light doesn't come on. Um, Squirrel and Kenneth were not surprised by this a bit, but I was surprised by it because I had been taking science class, and I was under the illusion that potatoes powered electricity and would power a light bulb, but I was wrong. At least it won't do it with speaker wire. So, but we used to, you know, so we started messing around this old house. But if you keep going past it much further, way deep down in the woods, you follow this trail way deep down in there, and this trail would take you to a creek. And the creek had a nice waterfall right there where the trail was. And, and we used to play in that waterfall all the time. Me and my friend Coast, in fact, we used to go there all the time. And James, and, and I don't know if Kenneth went or not, but uh, we used to go back there, and we would, in the summertime, we would get in that water. I mean, because where the waterfall went down was a decent pool of water. And we didn't have a pool at the trailer park, so we would just get out there in the creek. We would hang, we would dam it up sometimes just to see what we could do and then let the dam out. I mean, we would play in that creek all the time. It was such a great time. It just really, I mean, uh, I don't know. It's just something that, you know, I don't get to do anymore. I don't get to just go play in a creek. And I just think now I'm always concerned about snakes. I'm always like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get bit by a snake. But back in the day, I could care less about a snake. And we used to just play in that creek all the time. But then... If you walk and follow the creek, or you could go alongside in the woods, this leaves the pole pointing trail. You're just going deep down in the woods, and it was called Big Rock because there was a big rock. And when you just hear it's a big rock, 
you think, oh, you know, how big could it be really? But every single time we would see it, we would be surprised about how big this rock was. It looked like some kind of limestone, but instead of being a bunch of rocks piled up on each other, it just looked like one big stone. And we used to go there all the time and just play on the rock and just, I don't know, we had such a good time. I used to catch salamanders and tadpoles. I caught a tadpole one time out of, out of that creek and I raised it to a frog and I kept that frog in an aquarium at my mom's house and I used to feed it flies and stuff and it was so great. And like every pet I ever had, it died while I was at my dad's house that weekend. So I don't know what that was all about. My, my dog Grunt, I had a dog named Grunt. It was my, it was my favorite dog. And it was named Grunt because I had all these puppies kind of wander up near my trailer one time. And this one dog would make this noise all the time. And I remember Brandon and Greg coming up. And Brandon and Greg said, you should name this dog Grunt because it grunts all the time. So I was like, okay, I will. And then I raised Grunt, and then Grunt disappeared one day. And my mom, James tells me that my mom loaded Grunt up into the dog pound truck while I was at my dad's house for the weekend. Now, my mom denies this, and my sister also says that she doesn't see mama doing that. And I don't see her doing that. But James told me he saw it. So I don't know. I don't know why James would lie about it unless, you know, James killed my dog. But I don't think he did. I think Grunt just wandered off or maybe the pound did collect it. I'm sure we didn't have a collar on it. It probably was running wild, possibly malnourished. Who knows what Grunt ate? But I love that dog. And so... I even had a hamster one time. I think it escaped while I was at my dad's house for the weekend. And I found it down the street, just dead in the grass. I guess it got out of there and tried to roll out. But nature got it. And so I lived, you know, in this trailer park. This is just a few uh, of the things that happened, you know, while living there. But I lived there until I was 14. Uh, and at 14, we moved from the trailer park to where my mom lives now, uh, across the street from the high school, right? And so I was always, you know, fairly popular in school. And I, and I say that just meaning I got along with everyone, right? I mean, people weren't like, follow the trend that Dusty's setting. I don't mean that kind of popular, but... I was always funny, and I always talked to people, but I didn't hang out. A lot of people didn't come over to my house, you know, because I don't know why. They used to when I was really young. I had a, I had a birthday party over at the trailer, and I just think that I didn't necessarily hang out with trailer park kids. So I think only because I didn't know what people lived in. I didn't know what kind of houses they lived in. But I think all the friends that I had, for the most part, except the ones that I grew up with in the trailer park, did live in houses and have a bit more money. And I, I don't know if their parents were like, well, I don't know, maybe we don't go over there all the time. And uh, I don't know. But I didn't have a lot of people over to my house from school. Costa was the, the one exception, really. And we were best friends forever, but 
once I moved to the house, I spent, you know, 15, 16, um, you know, kind of walking to school. But when I turned 16, I started to make, you know, a lot of friends. And then I started to party a little bit. And everybody started partying at my mom's house because my mom would either be working at her boyfriend's house or taking care of my grandmother. So it would be party at Dusty's because I was, a, you know, a disrespectful kid who loved to party and was uh, wanting to be cool. So, but that's, a, you know, that's a story for another time. So then when I turned 18, I joined the Army. And I didn't get in. As you know, I've told that story. I, I joined the Army and didn't get in. But I, you know, I got arrested. And that's how I didn't get into the Army. So in between, you know, getting arrested and going to court, I was like, well, I'm not going to join the Army now. So I'm going to buy, I'm going to, and this trailer, my sister, uh, all right, my, my story's so jumbled here. Uh, when we moved out of the trailer, my sister who lived next door moved into that trailer that we lived in, you know, since 85. And this was probably, I would say, 94 when we moved out. So I lived there for, you know, nine years or so. And then we moved into the house across from the high school. And my sister moved into that trailer. Well, uh, about four years later, she bought a new trailer and traded in the old trailer. So I wanted to buy the old trailer. So I went and the guy sold me that trailer for $1,000. So I bought that trailer for $1,000. My brother-in-law worked for Craft Made Cabinets at the time. He got some cabinets somebody had returned, put it in the trailer. We got some carpet from another person. I got some furniture from another person, all free stuff. And then people installed it. My friend John, uh, a friend of mine, John, wanted to move out of his house. He, he encouraged me to fix up the trailer. So him and my brother-in-law went to town on the trailer, fixing it up. It looked great. And I moved in. And then shortly after moving into the trailer, I went to court. And I lost my driver's license for nine months. And I think John saw the writing on the wall that was about to come there. So he moved out. And now, and then I had another friend that moved in with me on the condition that he would give me, he could live with me for free if he would drive me to work every day and back. And that trailer became, I mean, it became a whole new experience. I'm in the same trailer park, in the same trailer, but same landlord, still coming around the first of the month, knocking on doors, getting rent checks. And I'm doing just like my mom was doing at the time. I'm going, hey, uh, here's the rent check. I'm going to post date it. Will you not cash it until Friday? You know, that sort of thing. And I'm living out there. We're drinking. Now we're shooting each other with BB guns in the backyard drunk. I'm making $220 a week working at Office Depot 40 hours, making $220 a week, $7.15 an hour. And my lot rent is 120 a month. My mom, about halfway through me paying off the trailer, my mom went ahead and paid it off. So the trailer was paid off. And, you know, I lived there for a couple of years just in this trailer and just partying. We would still go to Big Rock a little bit. And then 
Growing up on the other side behind the trailer, Big Rock was across the street behind the trailer was a whole other, uh, you know, just majestic area that we would play in. We had built a little wrestling ring out there. We'd go out there and fight each other. There was a creek back there too. We walked the creek a long way. Thinking we, we always felt like we were on some kind of discovery, but all we were discovering is other people's land. And I remember following that creek for a long way one time and uh, me and we had a rope swing we built out there. I had tied a, there was a, a big ridge that went down like it would be, you'd be walking and then suddenly it's just a steep hill. So I tied a rope way up in a tree and we could swing out over that ridge and be way off the ground. And I remember we used to go out there all the time and swing. We had put an axe handle in the rope so we could hold on to it like that. And uh, it got loose. And one time I went out there and swung on it, and it spun in my hands, and I flew way off. I landed on my back. I don't know how I didn't get injured, but I was fine. And Coaster was out there with me one day. And uh, and we we were playing, and this is gross, but I and I went to go out you know it's winter time i had several layers of clothes on coveralls and i went i was like i gotta go you know take a poop so i went down by the creek i pooped and then i was going to play a trick on costa not with the poop but just play a trick because he was a long way away so i sat down on the ground i put a log over my leg and i was like help costa help help and then Costa starts coming. You can tell he's irritated. He doesn't believe that I'm injured, but he's coming anyway. And as he gets down there, right as he gets about to where I'm at, I realize that I have sat down in my own poop. Just my trick on Costa turned into a trick on me because just the time he got there, Realized I had sat down in my own poop, and then he laughed at me. And then I buried some jeans out there in the woods. I buried some pants out there. I know I've talked about this before because somebody has commented on this, but um, it's all, all worth repeating because they're great, great fun stories. And so it's like when I talk about growing up in a trailer park, I mean, we had a great time. And... You know, even living out there the second time, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I had a, I was living, I mean, so just for total context, right out of high school, I'm 19 years old. I dropped out of community college after two days. I have failed to get into the army. I've been arrested. My driver's license is suspended for nine months. I'm on probation, and I'm living in a trailer that I grew up in. I'm like, wow, this whole start to life thing is not going very well. But it only seems that way to me looking back. But at the time, I mean, I was having a great time. I had a lot of friends coming over to the trailer. Because even though it was a trailer, almost in Beauregard, uh, a lot of my friends had nowhere else to go. They had nowhere else to party. So they would come over to my trailer and we would play. I remember 
one night in particular, I had, I don't know, probably 15 people in the living room of the trailer. We had the front door open, and we were playing PlayStation 2, Tech and Tag, just taking turns with each other. And we were all sitting in there smoking cigarettes. The whole place was smoky. It was just smoked up, but it was such a blast. I mean, it had to end. You can't live like that forever, but it was such a blast. And I had, you know, I had relationships. We had so much drama that went on. So much drama. So many, there's a lot of stories about the second time that I lived in a trailer that I'd like to talk about. But I'm not quite ready to talk about it on the, I get very personal here and share a lot of stories, but some of that stuff I'm not quite ready to share. I'm not quite ready for everyone to know. Um, Nothing bad, really, but, uh, you know, just uh, stuff that I'd rather not talk about quite yet. But we had a great time. I mean, we were doing a lot of things. And, you know, eventually I got my license back, and I stayed there for a little while with the license. And, uh, you know, life was good. I got the Saturn back. I'm driving it again. So, yeah, I mean, you know, my life, uh, I say it only looks like that looking back, but uh, it was going in the wrong direction. So that's ultimately uh, when I decided to move to Charleston, which is where I'd like to kind of pick up next week because um, I want to talk about moving to Charleston, what led me to move there, uh, what it was like uh, for the first little while that I moved there. But being where I was at in Opelika at the time, and this is not anything to do with Opelika, not anything to do with my family, anything to do with anything other than I needed uh, something new. I needed uh, a, a change and 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 just a different a different adventure, really. So moving to Charleston became that adventure for me, and in a lot of ways, I turned my life around. And I found new things and I broadened my horizons um, by taking a risk, by uh, venturing out, uh, getting out of my comfort zone. And then, you know, over time in Charleston, I fell into new bad things, right? I mean, drinking, I don't think is bad. Um, I mean, I don't think it's bad in, in, in one sense. I mean... Obviously, uh, alcoholism is bad. Being drunk is bad in a, in a sinful sense, in, in a biblical sense. I mean, to my knowledge, I mean, you know, I could read verses, but I mean, to my knowledge, you know, in Proverbs, it says, you know, do not become drunk on wine. Um, in Isaiah, it talks about not drinking, not being a drunkard, not giving in to strong drink. But then, you know, years later, you know, Jesus comes along. And one of, if not the first miracle he performs, is to turn water into wine at a wedding. And I don't know how big the wedding was, but apparently everyone drank so much wine that they ran out of wine. And that's why Jesus turned water into wine. And uh, they even said to him, to the, to the man having the, the wedding, they say, oh, you've saved the best for last. They said, most people, 
uh, at a wedding, we'll, we'll give out the good wine first. And then once everybody is, is drunk or, or buzzed up, then they'll throw in the old wine because people don't notice. And they said, but you saved the best for last, which means Jesus was making a good wine. So I don't know that it, so, but I mean, I just think that people have taken that verse about Jesus uh, turning water into wine and to saying that it was just grape juice, that there was no alcohol in it. Well, uh, you know, I guess you could get into the Hebrew and, and what the definitions of, you know, the word used for wine and how it compares, but I just can't see Solomon telling us in Proverbs, do not become drunk off wine, and Isaiah saying, you know, don't give in to strong drink, and then later we see wine pop up at a party and everybody's like, oh, you saved the best for last. Uh, I think they're the same. I don't think drinking, catching a buzz, feeling lifted, feeling good, feeling feeling fun, I don't think that's bad. Uh, I think the way that I drank was terrible because I didn't drink to, to get that little lift. I mean, once that lift hit me, that's when I really wanted to drink. I was fine. I was always fine to not drink. But the moment I had a beer, the moment that hit my lips, I was in. I was in, uh, you know, as hard as you could be into something. But I did that for a long time, and then I, uh, I changed my life again. I get a lot of messages from people when I post about, um, you know, when I post about how long I haven't drank. It's been nine years now. Thank you. Um, and I thank you for those, those posts and those messages and the encouragement. And I also appreciate when people, you know, reach out to tell me uh, how long they've been sober or what they're dealing with. I mean, I can't be your AA sponsor. I've always been told been told to be careful about saying that people can reach out to you about that. I don't want to be anybody's sponsor, but I am more than happy to share a message uh, or two with you about it, you know, and I'm happy to hear when somebody says, hey, I've been sober for a month. I'm always happy to hear that, right? Because uh, two months was the big one for me. And what they say, I think, if you go to AA, you get a chip for stopping drinking and then you get a chip at two months and i think the reason they say that is at the it's the two month mark where you start to convince yourself that you don't have a problem when you start to go well i've quit for two months if i quit this time i mean i can quit again i got this i can do whatever so you talk yourself back into drinking so that two month chip is a reminder that, you know, you do need this. You do need to not drink. And I didn't go to, I didn't use AA. I learned that after. But I remember in particular two months being such a significant amount of time for me because I had quit for a month before. I had taken a month off just to show myself that I could take a month off. And so when I hit two months, it meant so much to me. I mean, in, in, in a lot of ways, two months meant more to me than nine years means to me. I'm happy for the nine years, but at this point, I, I honestly don't even really remember drinking. I have plenty of stories. I have plenty of videos. I, you know, I remember drinking, but I don't even remember what that's like to want to dive into that kind of lifestyle. I mean, there's nothing that would make me want to go out and just drink all day. 
and then just feel the way I would feel and the total loss of reality. I mean, my whole life was a mess. I remember one time I was, uh, I was driving the Buick LeSabre, 1982 Buick LeSabre, big car, and I was feeling a little sick, and I was drinking bourbon and lemon with some black tea in a coffee cup. And this girl uh, I knew wanted to come over and hang out with me, so I went to go pick her up, and I had this bourbon in the coffee cup, and I got pulled over by these cops, and they were, they wanted to see my license and registration, and I was so freaked out because I had this liquor in the car. I mean, I was drinking and driving, and I could not find my registration. I was digging through all the papers. My car was such a total mess. They ended up letting me go, <laughs> but I just remember digging through so much stuff and being so embarrassed. My whole life was a mess. Um, and, and then I pulled it together and, you know, the, the day I quit drinking means something to me, but it's really the next day that means the most because the day I quit drinking was me just being like, Oh, I'm hung over. I never want to drink again. Who hasn't said that a million times, but the day after I quit drinking that next day was the day I decided that I wasn't going to drink again. Not that I hadn't made this decision before, but this day was a day that I read a book that changed my life, and I decided I would never do that again. And so, you know, it all starts somewhere, but many times I had told myself I was going to quit drinking and never did. So, um, you know whatever it is that you're dealing with, you know, don't give up because you failed. I mean, I would talk about, I'm going to quit drinking. I used to pray all the time that I could quit drinking. And then, you know, later that day, be out drinking. Because, you know, I really was powerless against this. I had to really reach a point. I mean, things were, I mean, I, I say my life was a mess, but things were going pretty well for me. I mean, the night uh, you know, I had just won in, in late 2011, I had won the comedy competition in Charleston, the stand-up competition for the first time ever full blown alcoholic. I won the competition that I'd been wanting to win all the time. I got the girl back that I, that had, that had left me several years ago. She got married and divorced and I got her back in that year. She watched me win the competition, and then we broke up. I got, um, and then the night, the last night I drank, I went on a date. I went on a date with a girl. The date went really well. We went to Pearl's. We had ourselves some oysters. We had a little seafood, a few drinks. We went to Big John's, uh, had a few drinks, which is a place I used to drink at all the time. I'd really like to get into some Big John's talk. When I talk about Charleston, I used to go to Big John's all the time. And so we went there. And then when, when we left, I left her. I stopped in at Yo Burrito and had another drink. And the date went well. It's like my life was going good for all intents and purposes. But I was not happy because I was drinking all the time. So two months was significant for me. And I also lost 40 pounds in two months. I started riding a bike. I, st I biked everywhere and I lost 40 pounds in two months. And I, I just completely took control of my life. 
And I think that's what meant the most about it. So it's like, I try to tell this to people all the time, family members and different people that, that are struggling with something. I'm saying, at this moment, your life is not good. At this moment, you're not enjoying your life. The first thing that you got to do is realize that. Realize, okay, this is not what I want for myself. No matter what it is, whether it be a job, a relationship, um, a lifestyle, no matter what a living situation, no matter what it is, in that moment, you have to realize, okay, I'm not enjoying this. I want to make a change. Even something as small as smoking cigarettes. Uh, I say small. I mean, that's a habit that a lot of people used to have. I think a lot of, a lot of less people have it these days than used to. But, you know, people, this is what I used to do all the time. I would be smoking cigarettes, and I would say, I want to quit smoking cigarettes. And after a couple of days of torture, I would talk myself back into smoking. I would say something like, why do I, I, I got to quit smoking? Oh, man, I don't have to quit. I used to say this all the time. I'm a grown-ass man. I can smoke cigarettes if I want to. I don't have to quit. I like smoking. But the only person that was making me quit was me. And I was making myself quit because I wanted to. But I would talk myself back into quitting, back into smoking, because quitting is hard. So it's like once you realize you've come to a place and you said, all right, I don't like where my life is. And if this is you right now, think about this. I don't like where my life is. I want to change it. Well, that's step one. Begin to change it. If you're overweight and you want to lose weight, I know you're not supposed to say these things these days. These days, I'm not shaming anyone, but I'm just using it as an example. If you're overweight and you want to start losing weight, I mean, step one, look at your diet and then begin to eat differently. I mean, I'm not giving anybody health advice right now as I'm sitting here with a ruptured appendix and a, and a sick stomach. I'm just giving examples. So once you see that you don't like where your life is at, then you can begin to make those changes. You may be in a relationship that's bad, but potentially you're the reason it's bad. I mean, not all times. If you're not the reason it's bad, maybe it's something you should get out of. But if you're the reason it's bad, you can just change yourself. I mean, I don't blame myself totally for all of the bad relationships that I've had, meaning bad, meaning they didn't succeed. I don't blame myself totally, but I carry most of the blame. I think that I was a bad boyfriend uh, because almost every relationship I've been in, with the exception of two, uh, well, I don't know, a few maybe, but I've been an alcoholic. And so it's like they were all my fault. And, and all of the breakups, I think, were my fault. Now, not that I did the breaking up, but had I been a better boyfriend, it wouldn't have led to that. So I just think some self-realization, not even doing self-help, not having to read anything, but just realizing I'm not where I want to be. I want to make a change. You can begin that change today. It may not, you may not see any real results. Uh, from Saturday uh, when I was drunk to Sunday when I was hungover to Monday when I made the decision to quit drinking, my life had not changed, really. I was not any different on Monday than I was on Saturday. I was still 
I was still fat. I was still uh, uh, unhealthy. I was still sweating all the time. But I decided that day to make that change. And then in two months, there was change. In two months, I was a different person. I was a completely different person. People commented on the picture of me that I shared where I said, and, and, and I said, you know, I quit drinking nine years ago. And people said, this is like a completely different person. And I agree. It is a completely different person. Each time I was able to take control of my life, meaning when I left Opelika to go to Charleston and when I quit drinking, I took control of my life. I became a better, stronger person. And then when I moved from Charleston to Nashville, it added more. Each thing that you do makes you a better, stronger person. It will not make you perfect. I am by no means perfect. By no means. But each time I make a change, I become a better, stronger person. Now, I'm still weak, but I was way weaker. So I just want to give you that encouragement. And if you are a person that reads the Bible, read the Bible. Um, people are always confused about where to start reading the Bible. I say start at Genesis. Genesis is a great book. Uh, Exodus is a great book. Um, Leviticus is great. But once you start getting into Leviticus and Numbers, you start to get into, uh, you know, some stuff that can bog you down, some boring stuff. I don't, I'm not calling the Bible boring, but I'm saying as you're reading it, you can go, you can get into long lineage things, which I think are important, or long details about building the temple, which I'm glad it's in there because we understand, you you know, we can see the detail and what things might actually look like. Um, but it's boring to read. You know, read Genesis and then switch to the New Testament. Read Genesis and then read Matthew. Then read Exodus and then read 1 John. Um, and if you're a praying person, pray. Um, you know, because uh, the Alcoholics Anonymous is founded on, you know, giving over power to a higher power and saying that I am not able to make it on my own. I'm not able to do this on my own. And that's what I did. I didn't use Alcoholics Anonymous, but I turned over my, you know, alcoholism to God. And I prayed for help. And I got help. Now, I had prayed many times before. Just like right now, I'm praying for healing. It hasn't happened yet. But you know, God doesn't operate on my timetable. So because I'm not healed, I don't, you know, I'm, I, I, I've read Job and I know that Job um, always stayed faithful to God no matter what was happening to him. And that's where I plan on being. That's who I plan on being. Um, so um, I appreciate your prayers. And I, you know, and I, I, I appreciate all your emails and messages. I do plan on getting back to everyone. I'm just slow about it. I get bogged down with just different things. Um, but I, I do plan on responding to everyone, and I appreciate the emails. I appreciate the messages. Uh, again, I'm sorry that if you're a listener in Cleveland and you are hoping to come see me this weekend, my apologies. But I will get that rescheduled, and I will be back. Because I love the club. If they'll have me back, I'd love to come back. And um, and Zanies, I'll see you. See you in March. And hopefully Kansas City, I see you this next weekend. Um, I appreciate you guys for listening. And we're having a good time.